0: God, and we can welcome our senior pastor, Pastor Jonathan Wilson, to the platform. Here we go. Thank you, Jacob. Appreciate that. And uh, we're going to pray. Father God, we thank you today for your presence. I pray, Lord, that as we look into your word, that you would open our hearts, open our spirits, that you would speak to us. And Lord, we thank you for your hand upon each and every one. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. Let's thank our worship team who, as always, have done an an amazing job. All right, well, good to have Brittany, uh, Jacob's wife, in church today with their baby, just a few weeks old, called Turner Elijah. Turner Elijah, he's going to, I said when, when I heard, he's going to be a turner of hearts to Jesus, and he's going to be a prophetic voice to his generation. I believe that. I believe it in Jesus' name. So uh, good to be here. And wonderful news about the retainer, um, and such a lovely way to hear it just before I get up to preach Uh, so that my mind is taken off the retainer. But I will tell you this, when I go to the dentist, when I go to the orthodontist with her, they will say three words. We warned you. We warned you that the number one cause of destruction of retainers is dogs. Therefore, make sure you keep it away. But we can put it to work for a few months to pay for it, And uh, just kidding, just kidding, child labor is not in vogue these days. All right, pay attention, Jonathan. Um, Good to have our daughter, Bella, home from Seattle, Washington, just for a few days. I love how she keeps coming down here to visit me and uh, just... Visit us, and uh, so she's here today, and we're enjoying having her here for the weekend. Moving back to the Promised Land in the summer, so uh, we're happy about that. Um, I, wanna, I want to. I want to take a moment to continue uh, with a series that we started. For those of you who are a part of our church, you will know that every year we have a word that or a phrase that in a sense, encapsulates what we feel the Holy Spirit is saying to us as a church. And this year, that word is presence. And our focus is um, God's presence makes all the difference, and your presence makes all the difference. God's presence in our world is what makes all the difference. Your presence in your world is what makes all the difference. And a couple of weeks ago, I started um, to, uh, the first part of a message or a few messages on the heart. Now, I'm, I'm going to spell that out, the heart, H-E-A-R-T, the heart. I don't pronounce the heart because that's the correct way of saying heart. But f- when I say heart, you know I'm saying heart, okay, heart, like a pirate, arrr. And I started that, and last week, Di spoke about the heart, and I heard nothing but rave reviews. I was with uh, London, our youngest, and our twin boys, Ben and Bo, on the East Coast in Atlanta and Virginia, and then we went to D.C. for a couple of days, and Di spoke, and I've heard nothing but rave reviews about her message, and, and I've decided I'm going to go away more often. Um, but she talked about the heart. And so I want to continue with that theme today. And our text is Proverbs 23, uh, Proverbs 4:23. And in the amplified version it says, "Keep and guard your heart with all diligence, and above all that you guard, above all that you guard. For out of it flow the springs of life. Out of your heart, out of my heart flow, the springs of life. Now, the Bible talks a lot about our heart being the source, not only of our physical life, but our spiritual life. If your heart stopped beating now, you would probably only live for a few minutes. And our heart is an amazing organ. At, at, at resting, normal resting heartbeat is 60 to 100 beats uh, per minute, and if you're an athlete, top-level athlete, it's going to be around 40 beats per minute, that means that your heart beats a 100,000 times every day, about 35 million times a year, and during an average lifetime, 2.5 billion times. When was the last time you thanked your heart? When was the last time you stopped and said, heart I really appreciate you. I appreciate you that you're working behind the scenes, quietly, efficiently. You're keeping me alive. Without you, I wouldn't be where I am today. Our heart never rests. It keeps beating. And out of that heart that's pumping blood through our system, we continue to be able to live and do all that God has called us to do and fulfill our God-given potential. In the same way, in us, as far as our spiritual life, Proverbs 4.23 is saying that our heart is the source of our spiritual life. Now, I want you to listen. It's not saying your brain. Your heart is the source of all spiritual life. Jesus said, "'Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind.'" Jesus talked about the people of his day, the Pharisees, who he said, they worship me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In the the Bible, we we read the story, the drama of the Bible, from the beginning of Genesis through to Revelation. We see men and women's hearts turning towards God, and we see men and women's hearts turning away from God. And the heart is what is is always critical Now, in in, in the medical sense, heart disease is the number one killer in the United States and around the world. It's not only a physical killer, it's a spiritual killer. It's a relational, psychological, emotional killer. So often, when things go wrong and when people get derailed or we get derailed, it's an issue of the heart. Of course, We need to think correctly. We need to renew our minds. We need to align our thinking with God's Word. But so much of what happens in life is our issues of the heart. And you say, well, we're talking about presence. What does the heart have to do with presence? Everything. Everything. First of all, last time I spoke a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how the key to God's presence is our heart. David was a man after God's heart. He, he, his heart was what attracted God's attention. His heart is what atta- attracted God's uh, presence. And David knew that his heart was the key to the presence of God in his life. I love that verse in 2 Corinthians 7:17 7, to 18 in the message translation writes it this way, God is saying to Solomon, if you live in my presence as your father David lived, David lived in the presence of God, pure in heart and action, living the life I've set out for you, attentively obedient to my guidance and judgment, then I'll back your kingly rule over Israel, make it a sure thing on a sure foundation. I think we could add your name, into that passage of Scripture, and my name into that passage of Scripture. Now, if we may not become the king of Israel, but whatever it is, wherever it is that God has placed you, wherever it is that God has put you, if we can live in God's presence with a pure heart and action, living the life God set out for us, we will know His presence and His favor and His blessing. God's. Our heart has everything to do with God's presence. Now we know that God is omnipresent; He is everywhere present, whether our hearts turn towards Him or whether our hearts turned away from Him. But when our hearts turn towards Him, we begin to experience His presence in a manifest way. So the key to you and I living in God's presence is to always have a heart that's turned towards God. Secondly, my heart determine my heart. Uh, determines my presence. Our heart is the key to knowing God's presence, but our heart is the key to where we will be present. I talked about Bella visiting. She's here because there's something about this place that is not just to do with the geography of the place, but to do with the people who are here in this place. Her heart determines her presence. And you can think of it in your own life and in your own world. Your heart determines where you're present. You're in present in church today, or you're present online today, or you're watching this service at some other time this week today because of your heart that is inclined towards God. And it's determining your presence and your attention. I love this story about David and Jonathan in the, in the Bible. Jonathan was... Um, well, in fact, it's about Jonathan and his armor bearer. But Jonathan had an armor bearer, and they were out in the uh, out in the enemy territory. And Jonathan said, "Come on, let's let's take out some of these Philistines, and uh, let's go over and 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 perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf." And he goes on to say, "Nothing can hinder." the Lord, from saving, whether by many or by few. And this is how his his armor-bearer responds. You're out of your mind. You're crazy. We're outnumbered. There's no way that we're going to take them out. They're at the top of the hill, we're at the bottom, and we're outnumbered. No, he responds this way. He says, do all that you have in mind. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. His heart determined his presence. His heart determined that he was going to go up and take out those Philistines, whether he he felt that they could or couldn't. His heart was with Jonathan, and he was going to go and do what Jonathan had set out to do. His presence and his position was determined by his heart. Show me your heart, and I'll show you where you spend your time. Show me your heart, and I'll find you on a Sunday morning or a Saturday evening or when the football's on or, do you hear what I'm saying? A heart determines our presence. I love this picture of God's heart, God's eyes and His heart on His house, on His temple. And God is speaking to Solomon after Solomon built the temple. And God is saying to Solomon, um, talking about the temple and the significance of the temple. Now, of course, the temple was a building, but in that temple, in the Holy of Holies, the holiest place, was the Ark of the Covenant. And it was there that God physically, um, that, that God manifested His presence. God manifested His presence in the Holy of Holies. And this is what God says to Solomon. He says, believe me, I've chosen and sanctified this temple that you have built. My name is stamped on it forever. My eyes are on it and my heart is in it always. I love that. So God's saying, my my eyes are on it, my heart is in it, that's where you'll find me. You will find me. You will find the people in your world where their eyes are and where their heart is. And so, if we, uh, uh, our, our presence is determined by where our heart is. Jesus said, "Don't lay up for treasure for yourselves on, uh, on earth, where moth and rust and thieves destroy, and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal." For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, where your heart is, that's where you'll put your treasure. I'm not a big uh, stock market person. Never have been. Some of you are. Um, But I can guarantee if you have stock, your eyes are on it. Your heart's invested in it, and that's the reality of where we where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Um, Jesus talked about the house, the temple, his house, and the disciples noted that zeal for God's house had consumed Jesus. He was passionate about the church. He was passionate about establishing the kingdom. Jesus was passionate about it because that's where his heart was. My heart will determine where I'm present. And I think it's important for us to be aware of that and to understand that um, And you've heard it said before, so many of the phrases that we have in the English language have to do with our heart. Their heart's not in it anymore. Once someone's heart isn't in whatever it is, it won't be long before they're no longer present. And a heart, listen to this, Jeremiah says, not very very pleasant, but he said, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. No, 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 not my heart. No, 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 no. Everyone's heart. And so my heart and your heart, we have the ability and we have the capacity to deceive ourselves. So just watch where you're present. That'll tell you about your heart. And that's why it's important to understand that my heart determines my presence. So maybe instead of focusing on going to the wrong places... We should focus on having a change of heart because when we have a change of heart that's going to determine where we are present so i want to continue and i want to talk about uh, a couple of things here uh, about our heart health and i have a message that i'm going to prepare next week about heart blockages or blockages of the heart but i want to speak about heart health because if we're, going to ha- if we're going to guard our heart, we need to know how to do that, and we need to know what we're referring to, because the Bible makes a distinction between our mind and our brain and our heart. And when God talks about our heart, what is it that He is specifically talking about? Is He talking about our brain, our mind? No. He's talking about our heart. Is He talking about our spirit? Is he talking about our soul? Our soul is our what? We traditionally say our soul is our heart, uh, is our mind, our emotions, and our will. What is he talking? Is he talking about our actual heart? That our actual heart has that capacity to be moved? And because scientists have told us and they have proven to us that the heart is simply a physical organ that pumps blood. So what is, he, what is Jesus referring to? There's no other function of the heart. So when, Jesus, when God is talking about the heart, is He talking about that thing in my chest that's beating right now at 40 beats per minute because of my extreme athletic health and ability? Is that what He's talking about? Well, I've been thinking about this, and it was prompted by a comment that my wife Di made about when her dad had uh, bypass surgery and some of his experiences after that bypass surgery. And I said, tell me about that. And Di said, you need to talk to Jeannie French. So I talked to Jeannie French a couple of weeks ago after the service and I said, asked her about it. She said, well, let me, ta- let me have a look into it. And this week she sent me the most fascinating article uh, that I read, and I want to share a little bit about it, because I feel like it gives us some insight into the dynamics of the heart. And this was an article that was written um, uh, in a uh, scientific journal uh, by someone by the name of, let me get it here, Mitchell Leister, or Leister, um, who was from the Department of Psychiatry in the University of Colorado School of Medicine. And he wrote this article, which was called Personality Changes Following Heart Transplantation, The Role of Cellular Memory. For a long time, our scientists have told us that our heart is simply a physical organ that pumps blood. There's no other function to the heart. And even though the Bible and God's word and our language attribute way more to our heart than just a pumping organ that brings, you know pumps b- blood to every part of our body the reality is that when we talk about our heart and what I've been talking about our heart what have you been thinking about you've probably been thinking that our heart is the seat of our emotions of our feelings of our will and we've accepted that it's not our physical heart, but it's a part of our psyche, it's a part of our soul, it's a part of who we are. But what exactly is it? How do we define it? And in this article, it makes some fascinating discoveries, Or, and it's, this is hypothesis. But he, they make some fascinating observations about the cellular memory of the heart, And that's right, we're talking about the heart, not the brain, because traditional neuroscientific view is that memory is a function of the brain, not the heart. But according to this research that is being developed right now, they are discovering that the heart also has cellular memory. That is that we have memories that are encoded in our heart that affect our lives and our responses, our identity, and that in the cells of our heart and in the intracardiac nervous system of our heart, which they are referring to as the heart-brain. Did you know that your heart has a brain? They're referring to as the heart-brain. There is this hypothesis that the heart is recording memories, it is establishing our identity. It has way more to do with our responses than we give it credence to when we look at it as just a physical organ that's pumping blood to our system. I remember in 1967, most of you weren't alive here. Stand up if you, stand up now if you were alive in 1967, come on, let's see all the wise people. All right. Well, in 1967, a South African uh, surgeon by the name of Christian Barnard, he performed the first human-to-human heart transplant in 1967. And I remember it. I was nine years old. 1967. Maybe I was a little older. I was 11 years old. And, And I can remember it was a huge thing. And... I want to quote here what uh, this article says, because it's fascinating. The transfer of personality characteristics from one person to another following heart transplantation has been reported for nearly half a century. However, this phenomenon has not been well researched and is not well understood. Possible explanations for this paucity of Investigation include the absence of a mechanism to explain such personality changes and skepticism regarding whether such changes are possible. But neither the lack of an adequate explanatory model nor doubts regarding the existence of such changes disprove the occurrence of this experience. And what is happening over and over again is that they have found that there have been personality changes in people who have received heart transplants, which have been reported for decades, uh, even though those pers- people knew and, and, and were kept from any information from the donors. And so these were the changes. Number one, changes of preferences. A change of food, music, art, colors. Secondly, alterations in emotions or temperaments, some people who maybe were calm previously would maybe more easily flustered or anxious or worried, modifications of identity, and fourthly, memories from the donors of the heart. Now, I'm continuing that this is hypothesis. But it's a very interesting hypothesis because it confirms what the Bible tells us and spells out to us and writes very clearly. And so, um, it, it, it goes on to say, accounts of recipients uh, acquiring personality traits of their donor following heart transplantation challenge the notion that the heart is just a pump and highlight a major gap in our understanding of such experiences so there are memories that are encoded in the cells of our heart and in the intracardiac nervous system of our heart now i find that fascinating because that's what the bible tells me about the heart and this is what god says and god said in proverbs 3 and verse 3 through solomon let love and faithfulness never leave you bind them around your neck write them on the tablet of your heart in other words, let God's word be encoded in the cellular structure of your heart. Deuteronomy six six: Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you, and then get them inside of your children. Hebrews ten sixteen: I'm writing out the. This time, I'm writing out the plan in them, carving it on the lining of their hearts. And in the Amplified Version, it says, this is what's really fascinating here. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will imprint my laws on their heart, and on their mind I will inscribe them, listen to this, producing an inward change. God's Word not only talks about writing or encoding His Word on our hearts, but He talks about how we all need a heart transplant. We all need a change in our preferences. We all need a change in our emotions or our temperament. We all need a change in, the modifi- in in our identity. We all need a change in memories, all of which were things that were physically experienced by those who had a physical transplant. God says, I want to give you a heart transplant in the book of Ezekiel. And there in Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In the Amplified Version, it says, I will take from them the heart of stone And I will give them a heart of flesh that is responsive to my touch. That's exactly what happens when we receive Jesus as our Savior. And I've said it many times from the platform, and I've heard it said many times from the platform, would you accept and receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior? Well, what does that actually mean? And we know about our brain and our soul and our spirit, but somehow that's telling us we all need a heart transplant. And when I came to Christ and when you came to Christ, you received a heart transplant, a new heart that gave you new preferences, that gave us a new temperament, that gave us an ability to rise above our own weaknesses and gave us a new identity and new memories. And as I was reading this, and again I say, this is just hypothesis, but somehow it rings true, and somehow it amplifies to to me today about the reality of many of the things that we say about hardening our heart. Don't harden your heart. I don't want encoded messages in my brain, but I don't want encoded messages in the cellular structure of my heart where I'm hardening my heart, or I'm resisting, or I'm insensitive to the touch of God. And what does it tell us? You may say, well, what difference does it make? What does it matter, whether it's that's the fact with our physical heart or not? Because what happens in us physically affects us emotionally. What happens in us physically affects our well-being. What happens in us physically affects every part of our being. And what we're reading is just confirming what God's Word says, is that we need to guard our heart above all else. We need to guard our heart so that we don't harden our heart, so we're not half-hearted, so we don't have a divided heart. So that we don't harbor bitterness in our heart. And of course, this research and this study is going to continue. But to me, it's fascinating. And I wanted to share that with you because I think it's a great illustration. It's a great example of what actually happens when we write God's Word on our hearts. We are, we are encoding the cellular structure of our heart spiritually spiritually. We are establishing our true identity. We are establishing God's preferences. So, we have a few more minutes. And I want to share a couple of things here that I I think are important when it comes to our heart health. Two keys to a healthy heart. Number one, a healthy diet. It's no secret that poor diet is connected with heart disease and almost half the deaths associated with heart disease are linked to eating habits heavy on foods that have long been associated with poor heart health. You've heard it said, you are what you eat. Whether it's your physical diet, your food, whether it's your spiritual appetite, whether it's your mental, your, what you're feeding your mind on, or whether what you are feeding your emotions on. Soap operas don't do you any good. What are we filling our lives with? Media. We've had 12 months of what I would call lunacy on the media. S- sometimes you just got to. It doesn't work that way anymore. Sorry, I'm showing my age. It's not. Switch it off. No, sorry. Switch it off. Switch it off. Get into the 21st century, Jonathan. Old habits die hard. Social media. I can promise you, social media is not going to leave you feeling better than when you opened it up. What are you watching? on TV. What are you binging on Netflix? There are some good things. There are some very good and interesting things that you can find and you can discover. But what we're filling our mind with is so important and I love what Job said. Job said this about his appetite. He said, "I have treasured the words of God's mouth more than my necessary food." I love the words from his mouth, more than I love my food. You know, life is an acquired taste. I've often said that. Right here, you may have wondered, what on earth is a jar of Vegemite doing next to the pulpit? I'll tell you what it's doing. It's an example. It's an illustration. I love Vegemite not something that is shared by most Americans. Most Americans, when you give them Vegemite, will tell you how disgusting Vegemite is. Why is that? Why is it that Australians and English and people from the Commonwealth countries would like Vegemite, and you, Jake Damron, would not like it? You know why? Because life is an acquired taste. And if you had grown up eating Vegemite, I guarantee you would like it. Just like at Thanksgiving, when someone tries to give me sweet pumpkin pie, I could not think of anything worse. Because I'm used to pumpkin being a savory vegetable. But it's an acquired taste. Life is an acquired taste. And you can acquire a taste for what is good, or you can acquire a taste for what is not good. And what the Word of God is telling us is that if we develop a pattern of, and we develop a diet that is healthy, and we feed that diet with God's Word and truth and inspiration from from God, we're going to hunger for that. And we're going to become like Job who said, I I esteemed his words more than my necessary food. I value God's words more than my food because I have such an appetite for God's word. I can't wait to get into God's word. The longer you leave it, the less you'll have an appetite for it. Develop the appetite. Force yourself to eat some Vegemite. And you will develop an appetite. You will develop A taste for it. Life is an acquired taste. Secondly, regular exercise. How do I have a healthy heart? I have a healthy diet and regular exercise. The SCAI website. That is the Society for Cardiovascular Angiography and Interventions says this, Making regular physical activity part of your lifestyle is one of the most effective ways to improve your heart health. Physical activity can improve heart health by reducing high blood pressure, improving cholesterol levels, decreasing risk for stroke, controlling weight and obesity, helping to manage type 2 diabetes, and limiting metabolic syndrome. Even for people who have heart disease... Physical activity can result in a healthier and longer life. By learning how uh, now to be more physically active, you are embracing your chance for a fresh start and taking control of your lifestyle and therefore your health. In other words, regular exercise is going to improve our heart health. If we want a healthy heart, we have to be moving. We have to be energetic. We have to be active. And that's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. I love this. He says, My brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. And Paul, and, and the writer of Hebrews goes on and it says, Don't become sluggish. Ever stepped on a slug? I don't recommend it, especially in bare feet. Do not become sluggish. Yeah, how easy it is to become sluggish. How easy during COVID to become sluggish. We've got to shake that off. We've got to start to move, Jake. We've got to start to we we got to start to get some activity, some spiritual activity happening, some movement happening by virtue of habit. Solomon said to his son, be careful where you walk. There are streets that you should not be walking on because you're going to bump into the wrong people. Be careful where you presence yourself because your heart is going to tell you where to walk and where to go. It's not good for your life. It's not good for your heart. I have a choice to either be on the treadmill or the elliptical or binging Netflix on the lounge. I have a a choice to do my walking routine, to walk and pray or putting it off until tomorrow. That's going to affect the condition of my heart. I have a choice on Sunday morning whether to come to God's house or sit, hit the snooze button again and again and again and again and again again. or because that's going to affect the condition of my heart. I have a choice whether I'm going to volunteer or wait to be served. Somebody serve me. Someone take care of me. Someone do something for me. That's going to affect the condition of my heart where I presence myself. I have a choice of blaming others or taking personal responsibility. That's going to affect the condition of my heart. I have a choice whether to sift through the rubble of the past or sow into my future. That's going to affect the condition of my heart. And so I want to encourage you today when it comes to activity, when it comes to our diet, first of all, What's your priority? Make your priority a healthy heart, whatever's going to bring health to your heart, physically or spiritually. Secondly, make your priority a practice. Practice whatever keeps you healthy. And then once you have established that practice, make it a pattern of your life. Because the practice of my presence determines the health of my heart. I'm going to say that again. The practice of my presence determines health. The health of my heart. And when we talk about being a making a practice of being in God's presence, I love the thought about from Proverbs eleven and twenty-five, which speaks about making a practice of refreshing others. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, Whoever freshes others will become depleted. No, just checking, just testing. Now the lights have dimmed whether you're with me. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Those who help others will themselves be helped. So often when we're in in that place where we are depleted, where we are drained, the key to it, the key to that, is to turn and to presence ourselves in an environment where we are refreshing others. And we will be refreshed. And just like that quote that came to mind when someone said, and I forget who it was, I reached into the darkness to pull someone into the light. And when I did, I discovered that I had rescued myself. Why? Because he or she that refreshes others will themselves be refreshed would you stand with me for a moment I'm going to close and you know so often we focus on what's going on around us we focus on what's happening to us we focus on the mistakes that we've made whatever it may be but I want to pray a prayer right now that in a sense is an expression of what we've been talking about today when it comes to our heart. I want to pray, and I want to encourage you to pray, Lord, give me a heart like your heart. Give me priorities that are your priorities. Give me an identity that is based in you. Give me a new heart. Encode your word on my heart and the memory of your greatness in this world and in, our, and in my life on my heart. Let your word be written and engraved on my heart and give me a heart that is responsive to your touch. For where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Father, I pray today that each and every one of us would receive a touch from you and from your spirit. Help us to be responsive to your touch. Give us a heart like your heart. May we have a heart after you like David had. May you say of us, I saw in him or I saw in her a man or a woman after my heart. And Lord, may our heart Direct our paths. May we be present in those places that are an expression of our heart and our treasure. And I pray, Lord, that for each and every one of us, we would come alive. Help us to be even more sensitive in our hearts to your presence. And Lord, we worship you and we praise you together in Jesus' mighty name we pray amen and amen maybe you're here today or you're watching online and you've never ever made a decision to accept what jesus did on the cross when he died in our place so we could be forgiven we could have a brand new start and our slate wiped clean when what jesus did makes it possible for us to have a heart transplant for us to have new life pumping through our, our lives and all you have to do is to say yes jesus did everything that was necessary for us to be forgiven to receive the gift of eternal life to have new life in him for his spirit to cause our spirit to come alive to him And I want to lead you in a prayer today. And if you want to pray that prayer and you've never prayed that prayer before, or maybe you're praying it for the very first time, I want to lead you in that prayer. And I know that when you pray this prayer from your heart, God will hear that prayer. He'll answer your prayer and He'll give you a fresh start and a brand new beginning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. I ask you to forgive me. Give me a brand new start, a fresh beginning. Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. I turn away from my sin, and I turn towards you. And I thank you for a new day and a new beginning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. And amen. Come on, let's give Jesus a big hand of praise. Our worship team's going to come now.